0: Okay, Groovy Cats, uh, welcome to Pushing Rubber Podcast, episode 115. This is Adam Piggott, your host with the most. Coming to you from a rainy Saturday morning here in Holland, uh, the height of summer. What joy. Uh, I had my uh, my father send me a WhatsApp message or photo the other day back in Perth in Western Australia. It's winter down there at the moment, and he goes, oh, it's been them sitting around the the fire at night they say we've been freezing our butts off really cold so i uh i get on a weather zone uh and uh, check out the last few days temperatures in perth and 20 degrees centigrade 19 degrees centigrade 21 degrees centigrade cold at night down to five degrees centigrade but uh it's kind of warmer there in winter than it is in uh summer in holland so uh Father of mine, harden the fuck up. I think there has to go. Um, meant to get this out a few days ago on Tuesday or Wednesday, but uh, events kind of overtook me. And at the same time, I've, I've had a week off from the internet. It's been nice. It's been nice because uh, I'm in the process of transferring my uh, website to a private server. Uh, getting it away from the SJW tards at WordPress before they ban me for thought crime, which they've done to Chateau Hartist. And Chateau Harteist, uh, uh I get about 60,000 views a month. Chateau Harteist used to get about 60,000 views a day. Uh, But they were quite happy to shit can his site for thought crime against the left. So um, we started the whole process last weekend of moving it off the server. uh, And WordPress takes a week to give you permission to move it. Uh, And there was no point in me posting up anything because anything that I would post um, while it was in the process of being moved would then be lost. Uh, so anyone who's commented on the blog from Sunday, those comments are going to go. I think they're going to be memory hold. Um, but hey, you know, thanks for making the effort. Thanks for making the effort. Uh, WordPress basically doesn't want to make it easy for you to stop giving them money. That's what they. Uh, that's what they're saying. Uh, I got the bill through yesterday from my new server guys. Uh, I got the bill here. Let's have a look uh cost of hosting pushingrubberdownhill.com adampiggott.org and to that's just sorry for the domain names and then for hosting the web server uh is about let's say three times cheaper than what wordpress was charging (laughs) so thanks a lot wordpress um there's been a few questions will it support rss feed yes um how fast will it be super fast. Um, I am transferring to a server that is blindingly fast to load, blindingly fast. It will be faster than WordPress. I mean, literally, you'll think about clicking on my website and poof, it'll be there in your face. This is important. This is very important, because the speed of your website loading times denotes your searches how, how high you come up in searches on Google and Bing and DuckDuckGo and all that sort of stuff, any search engines. In other words, the faster your web hoster, the, the higher you'll appear in searches. The, the slower your web hoster, uh, the slower you'll appear in searches. We can talk about milliseconds here. Uh, a millisecond in loading time can have a huge effect on your website, on its marketability. Market, marketability. Uh, on uh, all sorts of things um, not just where you uh, where your impact on search patterns so uh, it includes so your Alexia ratings are based on this as well so I'm, I'm anticipating a really big spike in my where my Alexia rating is um, and this is going to go towards the process of monetizing the blog which I'm going to be moving towards Um, and getting it on a getting it first of all on a private server was really important and then the 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 web speed itself now i I didn't know all of this stuff about two weeks ago by the way i did not know this stuff but i have a guy oh do i have a guy and oh does he know his stuff about the internet? because he has a bunch of companies uh he has his own vpn company uh which i'm now using as well um the guys uh, absolutely loaded um, and he's a real entrepreneur a real entrepreneur uh, not a one entrepreneur as uh, Aaron Clary likes to call him um, and he's been um, he's been helping me out because uh, well we know each other and uh, we hang out and uh, he's a good guy so um, the blog will be moving towards being monetized. Um, uh, and this means that it will be monetized in an entrepreneurial way, not in a so a, a right wing way, a capitalist way, as opposed to a leftist socialist way. Uh, the way that you monetize your blog in a leftist socialist way is you ask for money. That's how you that's how you monetize your blog in a leftist socialist way. Uh, some people might get upset at me saying that, particularly people like the Z man. And well, Z Man won't get upset because Z Man doesn't listen to me. But uh, I say tough titties to that. Um, let's have a look at the Z Man site, and I'll just go to his post from yesterday. At the bottom of his post is this little snippet: Support the media that supports you. While all of us, all of us toiling in the fields of dissident media are motivated motivated by a sense of duty, having a place to sleep and food on the table still requires money. Five bucks a month is not a lot to ask. Or you can send money to me at Z Media. Blah, 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 blah. I now have a PayPal set up for those who preferred that method to donate. Thank you for your support, exclamation mark. That is a leftist socialist way of getting people to give you money. It is also um a finite way. Like you'll get an initial an initial surge at the start, and then it's gonna drop off faster than Triglypuff being shot out of a cannon. In a year's time, you're going to... And he, when he first did it, he was like, he went down to his uh, post office box and opened it, and it was full of all these letters and money. He was like, oh, it's great. I can guarantee you in a year's time, that's not happening. It's not happening. This is a non-sustainable way. What you have to do is keep upping the ante on how you beg on the internet. So I find it deeply ironic that the Z-Man, who is so into dissident politics and, you know, the alternate you know media for the for the for the rights that's uh, all this sort of stuff and he travels around going to conferences and you name it i find it deeply ironic that the way he's got to monetize his blog is socialism that's deeply ironic and don't say that that he's providing a service if he was providing a service then from day one he would have charged for it you don't start providing a service you don't start writing a blog For free and then after you've toiled away at it for a few years you then start guilt tripping the audience that you've painfully built up into giving you bucks that's socialist sorry not sorry um i've spoken about this in other podcasts in the past but you know if you're going to monetize your blog you've got to think entrepreneur you've got to think entrepreneur um and fortunately for me Uh, I know a guy who really does this well, and hey, we all need a little bit of luck in our lives. We all need a little bit of luck. But luck's also about seeing stuff. For me, people who are lucky are people who recognize and then act on opportunities. Because you can then ipso-factically, post hoc, look back at these people and go, well, you just got lucky at that point. And technically you might be able to say yes, but then a lot of people who don't get lucky in the same situation might not have, A, recognised the opportunity and definitely, B, not acted on it because they're lazy fucks, which most people are, and what all socialists are, all prog lefties are, all SJWs are, are lazy. So even the bit of luck that they get, they don't act on it properly. They just don't do it because, you know, the world owes them a favour. The world doesn't owe you any favours, kiddies. So, I've been accused uh, many times of being lucky in my life, um, especially when my first book came out, and people were like, oh, well, look, you know, you were in the shit at that point in your life, but then you got lucky. You know, that happened to you. You got lucky. That happened. You got, you, you rocked up in this place, and then, you know, you got lucky. Okay. I had my brother say to me last week, we were having a conversation and uh, on the phone, and uh, I mentioned the, the, the house that I've got, which is basically a windmill in Holland. Uh, and he goes, once again, Adam, Pigo's hairs lands on his feet like a cat. How many times can you do it? And it's just like, I've had a really shit eight months. You know? Oh, I laugh. I laugh with him, by the way. I laugh with him. Um, but I, I've had a really shit eight months. I've a really shit eight months um, with the whole divorce thing. Um, and I needed a bit of luck, but I, I got out and I, if I hadn't have... Flown in on Sunday night from America, Monday morning gone to work, jet as fucked, Tuesday taken the day off, gone into real estate agents. I actually had to do a bit of work to get this place and then I got lucky but then I acted on the luck. Look, luck's about recognising and acting, that's what luck is guys, that's what luck is. Anyway, anyway. Oh, I saw a good quote on a divorce, actually, why a divorce is so expensive, because they're worth it. Oh, I like that. Anyway, um, the monetizing of the blog will continue up pace. Um, so there'll be no begging for money from me. Um, in fact, you might not even notice that the blog is being monetized. That's how surreptitiously I'm going to be doing it. Um, Tim, uh, Tim Newman over at, uh, Desert Sun monetized his blog which means that when you open tim newman's blog now very slow to load very slow to load so straight away you got a problem there. Uh, look donate support become a patreon and now we've got all these crappy ads coming up what's your iq score cool blue it's been taken over I'm, I'm, i've opened his site and it's been taken over by ads there we go cool blues everywhere so even in Dutch because I'm coming from a Dutch server at the moment and I've got cool blue everywhere on his site that's not what I'm going to be doing by monetizing my blog it's not going to happen not going to happen at all uh, it's going to be different than that how am I going to do it well you'll all discover as we go forward We'll all discover as you go as we go forward, but, but, um, I hope to be able to get a monthly income from the blog, uh, similar to what I'm currently my current monthly salary is. I hope to match it, uh, and I'm giving myself a year to do that. So, um, yeah, that's how you uh, that's how you approach monetizing a blog from a non a non socialist ProgTards, SJW lefty point of view speaking speaking of uh, socialist progtard lefties um, so anyway the blog should be back up next week as soon as as soon as it's it's, and by the way it'll be all the same website address everything you guys aren't going to even it'll look exactly the same just tell me what you think of the speed loading when it comes when it uh, when it shifts and when it shifts I'll announce that it shifted but just let me know what you think of the speed loading anyway um, on the woodpile uh, report this week was a link to a guy called Metallic Man, uh, and he's got a six-part series based on what the progressive socialist liberals have in store for conservatives, which is actually, uh, considering the first photo is uh, some Nazi guy shooting in the back of the head, two guys kneeling down with their hands cuffed in underwear and their head shaved, uh, a little bit disturbing. And I read the first two parts to it and I kind of didn't have the stomach to read anymore. Uh, that's how... That's how uh, that's how powerful it is. Um so metallicman.com because I uh, I'm gonna put this up on my uh, I'll see if in the if in the actual SoundCloud notes I can post links. I'm not sure if I can, because normally I post links on the blog, but the blog obviously is not working at the moment. Um He's basically He's basically the opinion that, A, uh, the shit hit the f- hitting the fan in the United States um, is past the beginning point where we're talking geno- planned genocide along the cases of anything from the first planned genocide in recorded history, which is, I suppose, the Armenian genocide in uh, Turkey in 1916, all the way through the Greek genocides, um, the... The, the Soviet genocides, the Nazi genocides, the Chinese genocides, the Cambodian, Cambodian genocides, the Rwandan genocides, the Bosnian genocides. Uh, there's been a few of them. And he's basically tracking through all of these ones. Um, he's tracking them through how, how they get started and how if you get caught up in them, you're basically... In serious, serious, serious trouble, uh, and as anyway, as soon as as soon as you you get put in handcuffs for your own protection, at that point you're basically dead. Um, it's really disturbing. Like I said, I only got through the first two out of the six because it was just a little bit uh, a little bit too much, um, and a little bit too much because of how how on the money he is. He's talking about the U.S. He's talking about this happening in the U.S. I think you can pick your poison on any Anglo-Saxon country. I think uh, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the US, not so sure about Canada at this point, but those companies those countries are all I think on equal self-destruct button for uh, internal civil war and genocide in the next five years. Um, whichever one goes first, we're not sure about. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. As I was reading it, as I was going through it, the thing that really kind of struck me was a sense of confusion a sense of confusion in that I don't think there's ever been a a, a planned genocide in history where the target group targeted themselves. And what I mean by that is the target group for the planned genocide in America are whites, specifically white men, but and specifically conservative white men, but in general whites. So when you hear a term like white privilege, what you're getting there is very similar to how previous genocides have been organised. And let me just find... Instead of me just trying to think this through, hang on, let's go to... It must be on his second one where he starts talking about how it works. Uh, He talks about um, avoiding cities and how to identify... Okay, so here today in America, I'm quoting this from MetallicMan.com. It's his second post in the series. Today in America, these are the enemies, white people. Anyone who is friends with white people. So these are going to be the targets of Planned Genocide. Climate change deniers, traditionally minded people, gun owners, people from a predominantly red state, religious people with the exception of Muslims, heterosexual people in traditional marriages, and anyone or anything associated with traditional America. And then he's got on the bottom, in America it is white privilege. And then he says history is full of reminders and how to use terminology like this by dehumanizing groups. Uh, 1793 France, which is your first basically tyrannical regime that went out of control. Here was the terminology they used enemies of the people, enemies of the revolution, Girondists, indulgence, aristocrats, criminal clergy, and criminals against liberty. Um, so in France, it was aristocrat privilege instead of white privilege. Well, then we've got 1917 Russia, and these are the terms they used. Bourgeois capitalists, counter-revolutionaries, reactionaries, political deviants, Kulaks, Tsarists, Trotskyites and mental defectives. So in Russia it was trost, Trotskyite privilege. Let's go to 1966. China. Class enemies, landlords, bad elements, rightists, rich peasants, impure elements, revisionists. So in China it was revisionist privilege. So let's now go to twenty sixteen USA. Deplorables, racist, sexists, homophobes, xenophobes, islamophobes, irredeemables, Nazis, white privilege in America it will be white privilege. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. When the when the Armenians got genocided in in turkey in 1916 you didn't have the armenians going around uh staring up trouble beforehand going gee these armenians are real pesky we should nail them all up on crosses that wasn't happening uh when the jews were on the wrong side of history in nazi germany it wasn't caused by the Jews going around saying, "Gee, these, Jew- these Jewish people are real pains in the ass. We should get rid of a lot of them." That wasn't happening. Um, when in you know Yugoslavia broke up and Bosnian Serbs and Muslims and Christians, you didn't get the, the Bosnian Muslims going around saying, "Yeah, these Muslims are a real pain in the ass. We should get rid of a lot of them. Why don't we shoot them on the back of the head?" That wasn't happening. That wasn't happening at all. In Cambodia when uh, when the baddies won and swept into uh the capital, you didn't have uh you know, all the Cambodians walking around going, hey, you know, we should just uh you didn't have the middle class Cambodians walking around going, Hey, we should execute the whole Cambodian middle class. That'd be really cool. The difference is the difference is, is that this time, um, you've got the target group targeting themselves. The target group are targeting themselves in the sense that white liberals are targeting themselves. I mean, white liberals are behind this, but white privilege kind of includes them. I don't know if this is some sort of... Uh, uh, masochistic, um, you know, kill yourself gene. That's been that's come up in Anglo-Saxon in the last forty years. Oh, I just don't know. I don't understand exactly what's going on there. But the target group are targeting themselves. That's what we're seeing. The targeted group are targeting themselves. White liberals are targeting themselves. The white liberal uh, in-group bias by race, race and ethnicity, okay, how they feel about themselves is negative. No other group has that. Blacks don't have that. Asians don't have that. Hispanics don't have that. And non-liberal whites don't have that. But white liberals do, by a long way. Um, they don't like themselves. They hate themselves and they prefer other in-groups. I don't know. I don't know what they hope to achieve by this, but for me, this is the look. I read the I read the first two out of these six posts on Metallic Man, um, and it was all very disturbing. Um, but at the same time, it's all very confusing. I don't think I don't think there's quite been an implosion like this in history up to this point i suppose you could go to the french re- revolution and say that it was aristocrats behind it all but they just weren't as powerful as the other aristocrats but in the end well in the end they they ended up getting fed to the guillotine as well and that's when the terror stopped it's all very hard to put a finger on i do think that uh it's going to get interesting. I do think it's going to get interesting. But if you look at Antifa, it's all, it's all white liberals. There are no black Antifa members. It's all white liberals. And yet they're hunting down white privilege and particularly white male privilege. I mean, I'm squarely in the target group uh, crosshairs here. There's a reason that I'm not living in Australia anymore. I really think Anglo-Saxon countries are headed for a complete implosion in the next five years. It's, it's, and I think the rest of the world is just going to sit back and watch this. Well, kind of the way we sit back, we sat back and watch, watch Rwanda. Because once it gets going, once it gets happening, all bets are off, isn't it? All bets are off. Um... I don't actually know what else to say about it, because it's just, uh, its just for me, it's just so confusing at this point. It's just so confusing, but I wanted to bring this up. This, this is what has kind of been on my mind the last couple of days, and normally I would have written a couple of articles about it, or at least one, but now at this point... I'm looking at a photo on Metallic Man's uh, second post here of... Uh, Progressive liberal militia in Berkeley, California, getting ready to fight against white privileged deplorables and racists. They are willing to kill anyone whom they deem a threat to their vision of a Marxist utopia. Please take a special note that the Marxist military is totally fine with having large capacity magazines while the law is in place to collect them from local conservatives and moderates. So we've got three guys standing there in Berkeley, California. Um, They've got high-powered automatic weapons with large magazines um by the way without the firearms you could happily uh knock the teeth out of any of these three guys without even blinking um two of them have combat vests on it with um ammunition pouches and that sort of thing um one of them has uh, a military knife on his belt um Unless they're Jewish, these guys are the target group. That's all I can say about that. So uh, lack of self-awareness much? I'm not sure. All genocidal revolutions eat their own in the end, as everyone tries to outdo each other to show that they are more revolutionary-minded than everyone else. And the way that you do that is by finding uh bad think in all of your comrades as fast as you possibly can. So it's literally moth to the flame sort of stuff when this thing happens. Anyway, interesting times, ladies and gentlemen, interesting times. Stuff to um stuff to digest. Anyway. Um now there's a blog called Had Enough Therapy by a guy called Stuart Schneiderman uh, who's um, I think a uh, well here he is life coach, executive coach, relationship coach, writer. Um, that's disturbing but he does put some good stuff on it so I link to him on my blog and he likes he likes quoting a uh, New York magazine's advice columnist ask Polly. Um, And he has a post up from Thursday uh, titled The Case of the Compulsive Wanker. As in masturbator, not asshole. Um, And basically we've got a man who um, writes to Polly for advice uh, about how to be a man. And I really wanted to... Have a look at this guy's letter. Now, Schneiderman goes through and dissects it in, a, in an interesting way, which I can't disagree with. But this, this letter is something else. This letter is something else. Let's have a look at it. Um, I'm the classic married guy. Met my first wife on literally the second day of college. Started dating a week later. Married a few months after graduation. Now these days um, these days that's getting pretty rare When that marriage began to unravel after almost a decade the disruption it caused to my framework of personal values sent me into a downward spiral I left my grad program went AWOL on an internship I'd worked years to get and wound up unemployed and alone in a shitty studio apartment in my hometown my plan was to play video games and smoke weed until my credit cards were maxed out and then I'd have to kill myself. Okay. Now, um, this obviously then is obvious that just from the first paragraph here, that this guy um, base his identity on his relationship with his wife. Don't get me wrong, as someone who's recently been through a divorce, um, this stuff is not great by any stretch of the imagination. This stuff is not great at all. However, uh, at no point after the first day after the announcement of the divorce, at no point was I going to implode... Everything I've worked for at that point. Because I hadn't based my complete identity on my marriage. Right? This goes towards the whole thing of what the manosphere has said for some time, is, is that uh, uh, you don't make your marriage your frame, or your, your relationship with a woman your frame. You make your life mission your frame, and the relationship fits in with that. That's the key thing. So this guy obviously had done the opposite of that, which potentially contributed to his divorce in the first place. I wonder how he got himself out of the spiral. Well, it's obvious. Let's read the second paragraph. Then I met a woman, and you can guess what happened next. Two years later, I wasn't married again. There you go. A woman destroyed him, but then he got saved by a woman. Hmm. 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 So what we can what we can deduce at this point about our, our letter writer here is that his man card is painfully thin. His man card is painfully thin. And the fact that he's writing in a letter to an advice columnist at the New York Times named Polly, who's a woman, um, reflects this. Let's continue with the second paragraph. To our credit, this time around has been more emotionally healthy and better overall. His use of the term emotionally healthy tells me that this is a feminized male. This guy is a feminized male because men, actual men, don't, don't articulate stuff like this. We don't talk about being emotionally healthy. Name one Clint Eastwood movie where the protagonist talks about being emotionally healthy. We can go on. My first wife was the bubbly, optimistic type, and her relentless positivity helped me suppress my darkest thoughts. My current wife is dark and moody, and we bonded over our deeply pessimistic worldviews. At first, I thought I was breaking my old patterns. I could finally express the bad feelings I didn't want to acknowledge and started going to therapy to deal with my traumatic childhood. Christ. During the course of therapy... I bet this guy watches too many Woody Allen movies. During the course of therapy, I began to realise that my big pattern, in capital letters, wasn't avoiding my past per se. It was using my wives plural validation, to avoid past feelings that would have destroyed me. My stepdad was primarily an emotional abuser and would insult and demean me daily mostly about my failings as a man. This was punctuated by weekly-ish physically abuse in the form of surprise wrestling matches with the stated goal of teaching me to defend myself and man up and random yearly-ish sexual abuse, wordless, confusing and terrifying the main fantasy I used to escape this reality was maintaining faith that I would eventually meet the one in capital letters, a transcendent luminous woman who would love and accept me as a man in capitals. So this guy has kind of reversed the whole white knight syndrome where he needs the white princess to come in and rescue him from his miserable uh, failings as a man. Um, And, the thing, the reason that I'm reading reading this out is, I really think that this letter, and the life that it encapsulates, does so much to um, signify the the approach to masculinity and manliness in our current age. This is just, this is such a broad example. I think that when I walk down the street and look at your average guy, particularly the average guy in his 20s and 30s. I could stick this letter, I could pin this letter to the forehead of so many of these guys, and it wouldn't be out of place. Not knowing anything of their background, only on what I can see demonstrated by them simply walking down the street just the act of walking down the street the clothes you're wearing the hairstyle you have your body posture your lack of or or whatever your facial hair is the cologne that you're wearing slash not wearing um, the watch that you're not that you're wearing slash not wearing what you're doing with your phone at that time just the picture that i've got That immediate millisecond of information that's given to me by a millisecond glance at you, the majority of guys in their 20s and 30s walking down the street, I could pin this letter to and it wouldn't be out of place. Um... If I think of the guys that go to the gym that I go to, I reckon I could pin this letter to 30% of their foreheads. And these are guys who are actively working on their strengths and trying to do better. So let's go on with, uh, with this. So he's he's, he's, we'll just read the last sentence of that third paragraph. The main fantasy I used to escape this reality was maintaining faith that I would eventually meet the one, a transcendent, luminous woman who would love and accept me as a man, who would rescue him, in other words, who would lift him out of his diabolical status of nothingness. Why on earth any male would think that a man lacking in all masculinity points a unicorn in the first place would even be attracted to him is beyond. I mean, the whole thing is obviously ridiculous because that's not how male-female relationships work. It's not what females are. This man obviously is incredibly weak and females are not attracted to weakness, they're repulsed by weakness. Next paragraph. Six years of therapy have helped me understand my patterns better I realize I choose women who are happy with me rather than women who make me happy. Solving my wife's relatively easy problems gives me a sense of purpose and accomplishment and allows me to ignore the vast tangled expanse of my own issues. I can't feel good about myself in isolation and need my wife's validation to feel worthy of love. In short, I've been close to drowning in a pool of my own shame for nearly my entire life, and having a wife is the only strategy I know to barely keep afloat, but now I want to swim. If there isn't a clearer example of someone who has believed all the current lies about feelings... And toxic. This is, guys. This is what happens when you drag, when you, when you uh, label masculinity as toxic. Okay. By the way, that language is all part of the, obviously the first part of this podcast when we're talking about, you know, pending genocides. But this is the effect that it has. By the way, um, how hard do you think it would be to round this guy up? put him in handcuffs for his own protection and ship him off to be executed with your local genocide? How much of a fight do you think this guy is going to put up? How much resistance to that do you think he's going to put up? As opposed to, say, Clint Eastwood and nearly any of his movies at any time. It's like it's like preparing, you know, lambs for the slaughter. It's like preparing lambs for the slaughter. Let's go on with his next paragraph. In some ways I'm making big strides. I moved into my own apartment two years ago while still committed to my marriage. I've never I've never read oh I can't remember reading a more incoherent sentence than that. I moved into my own apartment two years ago while still committed to my marriage. I've never, I can't remember the last time I read a more incoherent sentence than that. I told everyone it was so I could get better sleep and alleviate my PTSD symptoms, which was true, but only half the truth. Crap. Since then, I've been able to fall asleep alone at night huge accomplishment for me, completed a group therapy for male survivors of child sex abuse and told my story at an art exhibit for survivors. And then early this year, I finally separated from my wife. It lasted less than two months. In those two months, I was profoundly miserable. I thought I had gently eased myself into living alone, but to be honest, the lack of sex was the hardest thing to deal with. I developed – this is unbelievable letter – I developed a form of eczema. how do you pronounce that word? I've never known how to pronounce that word. I developed a form of eczema on my penis from a combination of stress and self-abuse, according to my doctor. In other words, this guy jerked off so much that he caused open sores on his dick. I feel like a creep for admitting how much I feel I need sex. But it's so much more than just sex to me. My therapist tries to encourage me to seek satisfaction in non-sexual relationships, but they feel empty to me. Nothing comes close to replacing the complete emotional, physical, spiritual validation of sex with a woman I love and trust deeply. While I can fantasize all day about casual sex with random people, I know from experience that casual relationships make me feel unsafe and insecure. The way I think about it is... Friendships are satisfying when you can share your deepest insecurities with another person and feel seen and accepted for who you are. That's hard enough as it is. But what if your deepest insecurity is sex and only having loving, committed sex can make you feel truly seen and accepted? I don't know how to break this cycle. Married guy. Wow, hey? Wow. By the way, uh, he's got uh, Schneiderman. Then has Polly's answer to him, and in and, more, and I, without reading all of that, her advice is that he needs to become more like a woman. Now, considering that if if the word guy had not been on this on this letter, I would have considered it to be from a woman, apart from the penis quote in the first place. How how a man can be more like a woman is beyond me. Um. That's what Polly wants him to do. Um, that he deserves to be loved just the way he is. He deserves to be loved. This guy wants a mother. This this guy wants maternal love. This guy is like a five year old, a, a four year old male toddler who, conti- or the six year old male boy who still wants to suckle at his mother's breast. That's what this guy wants. Okay. Um. Holly, of course, whines and craps on about feelings and how important feelings are. Um, here's what Schneiderman says. Uh, you can tell from the letter that this guy defines himself by sex and love. You can also tell what is missing, missing from his self-presentation. Present his work in the world, his career, his status and his standing among men. Beyond a passing reference to his dropping out of his graduate graduate program, he says nothing about his job or career proce- prospects. Uh, we assume that his therapist, like Polly, ignores this basic constitu- constituent of manliness because they want him to, fi- to define himself as a victim of sexual abuse and to become more like a woman. This guy's problem, of course, is that he's not a man. Why have I read this, this article out to you? Well, obviously because it ties into the first part of the podcast, as I've already said. This, this is what... This is what... This is what... Uh, uh, constitutes men in in cities like Portland uh, and other, and other left, left-hard shitholes. These are the white males that are going to be targeted. And, of course, these guys... These guys are probably going to be relieved with a bullet in the back of the head, I'd say. They're definitely not going to put up a fight. And... You know the whole thing. Good good times create weak men. Uh, have you have you ever have you ever have you ever read something from a weaker man than this? I, I I just cannot. But 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 can you agree with me that if you walk down the average city of your average Anglo-Saxon country, that you're gonna be able to pin this letter on the majority of men that you walk past? I think you are. I think you absolutely are going to be able to do that. And that is in itself astounding. That is in of itself astounding to me. When you look at the Manosphere and guys like Rollo and Royce and and the effect that they've had on men and how important that has been... You still, you still, you read something like this and you just know how far gone these guys are. I don't think, I don't think like that a guy like this can come back. By the way, for those of you who've read my book, my first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, that chronicles basically my 20s. And the subtitle is A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures. I want to state for the record that at the start of that book, in real life I think I was about 23 when that happened, didn't I? I got on a motorbike and gave up my entire life, my band, which was huge at the time for me, um, my job, my apartment, everything. Sold a lot, got on this bike, travelled across Australia only to get dumped the day I arrived in Sydney. I wasn't as far gone as this guy, but I wasn't that far behind him. I didn't have two marriages behind me, and I wasn't uh, jerking off so much that my penis was about to drop off from the self-abuse. But I wasn't far behind this guy in terms of my mental state and in terms of the fact that I was looking for a woman, the one who was, let me quote it again, because it's actually really good uh the main fantasy i used to escape this reality was maintaining faith that i would eventually meet the one a transcendent luminous woman who would love and accept me as a man in other words would make a man of me i gotta say that when the reason that i threw everything i had away all of my frame and chased that girl across australia was because I thought that that was the one, I thought that that was a transcendent, luminous woman who would love and accept me as a man and would make a man of me. Ironically, that journey was the beginning of me making a man of myself. It's it's funny how things work out. Because I was deeply unhappy and deeply insecure of every aspect of who I was as a man, as a person. My standing in the world everything at the age of 23 was in the shitter. So when I read something like this, um, it's repulsive because it's repulsive, but it's repulsive also of because of where I was 25 years ago. The difference being that I turned it around and did the extremely hard work of making a man of myself. Was that a 100% complete turnaround? In many ways, yes. In some ways, there's always work to be done to maintain it. You don't arrive at this sort of stuff. You've got to keep maintaining it, and you've got to keep identifying your weakness and weaknesses and plugging them. You gotta keep doing it. It's a daily battle, in some aspects. Which is why I think this is a, this is a really important letter. I think there's plenty of guys who read my website and listen to this podcast, who have either been close to this. Or are in the process of trying to drag themselves out of it. And Schneiderman's uh, response is, of course, correct. What? What is your work? What is your career? What is your status and standing among other men? Your status and standing among other men is key. If you're not accepted by other men, if if you go join a sports club let's say or let's let's not even say that if you go join a club which is a male club and within within the first day of you joining the club you're relegated in a social status setting towards the bottom of the pile then that tells you how much work you need to do And a lot of guys will just go with avoidance at that point. And they literally turn into the Amiga sitting at home, playing video games, smoking weed. uh, Because they just can't handle the confrontation with that sort of thing. Uh, There's a new guy who started at the gym maybe in the last couple of months. Um... And I just know exactly where he is on the male's status poll. It's where this guy is of the the letter writing. I I let's picture this guy right now. He looks at other men in the gym. The look he gives you is a mixture of wonder or jealousy and fear. That's the look that he gives you. Which immediately I know where to stick him on the fucking status totem pole he cares too much about what everyone else thinks about him that's what insecurity is I remember when I was 23 and in Sydney after I'd you know I was at the bottom and clawing my way out one of the quotes that I wrote down was uh, happy something like happiness is being independent of the good opinion of other people now if i look at that quote now i'd remove the word happiness cuz we're not supposed to be happy but being independent of the good opinion of other people means that you are secure in who you are the insecurities that this guy this letter writer is 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 writing i mean j- just the way that he signs off married guy. He has to he has to base his identity on his on his relationship with a woman. He can't be he can't be carpenter guy. He can't be Whitewater Rafting guy. He can't be Harley Davidson Rider guy. He has to be married guy. Right there that tells you everything you need to know. I thought it was an interesting letter it's good to be able to see this stuff and work out how far you've come when the days are particularly difficult i think because it's not always easy and it's critical to look at this stuff and know how important the task is to make a man of yourself in today's day and age It's everything is what it is. It's absolutely everything. It should, it should be one of your goals. How have I made a man of myself today? How have I done more to be masculine today? That should be one of your goals. Have you ever gone to leave the house and you're going to walk into town, let's say, and you wanted to put on some nicer clothes than what you normally did, but then you didn't, and you just kind of dressed down a bit. You just went with the jeans and T-shirt. Maybe you were going to put on nice pants, nice polo shirt, tuck it in, some nice shoes. Maybe you were even going to put on a nice jacket. Maybe in that jacket you were even going to put a handkerchief. But then you didn't, and you dressed down. You didn't dress up because you're uncomfortable. You didn't want people to look at you. You didn't want people to look at you and form judgments. You didn't want people to look at you and form judgments that you wouldn't be able to psychologically handle. That's what these guys go through on a daily basis. They're every waking moment. It's no way to live. Make a man of yourself. Make a man of yourself so that, you know, when the shit does hit the fan, you've got a chance of standing up for yourself. You've got a chance of taking a few of them with you before you go. Yeah? Look, guys, in the future, if you are so unfortunate as to be trapped in what we were talking about at the start of this podcast, some sort of shit hit the fan moment, some civil war atrocity, and you're on the wrong side, and it looks like you're going down, Just remember, take as many of them with you as you can before they get you. A man would do that. You don't let them lead you to the guillotine. You stuff as many of their heads in first as you can before they finally get yours off. That's what you do. If they break down your door with machine guns... You're waiting there with your sharpened kitchen knife. Take as many of them down as you can before they get you. You're only going to be able to do that if you've made a man of yourself up to that point. And as the door gets beaten down, you'll have to remind yourself to hold firm. That's what it's all about getting past the cold fear and the pity of stomach and getting on with it. Shout outs Aaron Clary. He's a manly man. He does manly things. Be like Aaron. Captaincapitalism.blogspot.com um, Check out his books. I th- threw a few reviews up for him on Amazon. They only, they only posted one of them though. Those Amazon guys, eh? Hmm. wrote me back and said we can't do this review for this reason so I changed it and then sent it back and they wouldn't post anyway check out his books, check out his podcast YouTube uh, Arsehole Consulting, all the stuff that he does he does some good work maybe you need some advice on how to bank a man of yourself like our married guy here contact Aaron on Arsehole Consulting he'll tell you He'll give it a good shot. Um, Check out my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts, Pull Cones. Subscribe to this uh, podcast. Uh, Don't subscribe to the blog just yet. Wait until I finish the transfer stuff on that. Uh, Hopefully that's going to be done by this weekend. Um, We'll see how it goes. Uh, Thanks for listening. This will be the uh, Making a Man of Yourself episode. Uh, and important in this day and age. It's been fun talking to you all this Saturday morning. See you all next week. Ciao.